0: Today we begin a brand new series entitled, I Am Jesus. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, this is a, a series that's really designed to get us growing closer uh, to Jesus before we begin our walk to the cross. Uh, now. I, Every series that we build is designed to get us closer to Jesus. But this one we're looking specifically at three aspects that Jesus either gave up or did for us uh, to save us. And so uh, it's my prayer through this that we grow closer to Him before we start our journey to the cross uh, with Him. And so this morning, I want you to think about uh, a time in your life where you saw somebody in a place, in a situation where you're not used to seeing them. Uh, Ann knows one of my—I uh, don't know if you call it a dream—but one thing that I would just love is uh, on a layover, walking through the airport. Like you know, you fly into Atlanta and you're walking through the airport, and all of a sudden you, you recognize somebody and you know them, and you're like, "Hey, what are you doing here?" Uh, I don't know why that's like on, on my bucket list, but that is something that I want to experience: is walking through the airport and seeing someone you're not expecting. Uh, I'll tell you, some of my bucket lists. Uh, Pretty interesting stuff. <laughs> but there's, all, there's been a time in your life where you have either asked somebody, what are you doing here? Or have been asked that, right? Uh, m- maybe it was uh, a time when uh, you remember you were at a party at, at, when you were younger and all of a sudden you s- saw your parents drive up to the party and uh, you were completely embarrassed and, and so you stomped out mad and you said, Mom, Dad, what are you doing here? Maybe it was uh, you were visiting some relatives and your, your extended family, like cousins, they didn't know you were in town, and so they showed up and, and they said, What are you doing here? Good to see you. Maybe you stomped angrily into the principal's office because there your child sat uh, and you already knew what they did because the principal called you, and, uh, but you wanted to hear from them. And so you stomp in and you look at your child and say, what are you doing here? Maybe it was at work. A friend or a family uh, member who's not normally in your workplace showed up and you looked up and you said, oh, what are you doing here? That's what Ann asked me a few weeks ago. and uh, I was down in Liberty Hill. She works at the intermediate school and so I figured I'd stop on by. Walked in. She did a double take. What are you doing here? Just came to see you while you're distracting me from work. (laughs) (laughs) We've all been in situations where we say, what are you doing here? Where we've been asked that or when we've asked that. But I want you to consider one more scenario, one more situation. Um, And it's a a little bit darker, but uh, imagine that you just died. And you're standing at the gates of heaven. And somebody asks you, What are you doing here? What do you say? How do you respond? What are you doing here? I wonder if that's what John the Baptist was thinking when Jesus approached the Jordan River on that one day. Jesus, John's cousin, John the Baptist's cousin, showed up to the Jordan River where John was baptizing people. John the Baptist was uh, uh, Jesus' cousin, and he was a prophet who went right before the Messiah. Uh, Malachi ends the Old Testament. That's the last prophet. And for 400 years, uh, God didn't send any prophets. He was silent until John the Baptist. And he was to go to prepare the way for the Savior. And so his message was, Repent for the kingdom of God. Is near. Repent. Confess your sins. Turn from your sins because the Savior is coming. And people would go out to Him at the Jordan River. They'd go out in huge groups, confess their sins, and be baptized as John announced to them the forgiveness of their sins. And it's in this huge group of people, this huge group of sinners, that all of a sudden, John sees Jesus. And here's what was said. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? So picture the scene. John's just outside of Jerusalem in the southern uh, territory of the land of Canaan. He's outside right at the uh, Jordan River baptizing people. And huge groups were coming to him. And you get the picture from other parts of Scripture that there were just huge lines of people waiting to be baptized. Each one would come up, confess their sins to John. John would then dip them in the water and announce forgiveness as he baptized them. You're forgiven. Go. Next one. Confess their sins. Baptize. You're forgiven. Go. And the cycle continues and continues and continues until John looks up and there's Jesus. The sinless, perfect Jesus standing in the line of sinners. What are you doing here, Jesus? What are you doing in the line with sinners? And if you're following along in your worship folder this morning, that's your first blank. Being baptized with sinners is the last place we'd expect to see Jesus. Being baptized with sinners is the last place we'd expect to see Jesus, right? He's perfect. He's holy. What's He doing there? Now, up to this point, Jesus uh, hadn't been preaching. He hadn't been teaching. He hadn't been doing miracles. He hadn't been doing anything. Uh, he'd been living a quiet life being a carpenter. A perfect life, but it was a quiet life. Uh, in fact, there might have been some people who knew Him in the line, but they didn't know that He was the Messiah yet. That hadn't been, uh, he hadn't started His ministry, His public ministry. And so imagine for a second that you're his ministry coordinator. Uh, Wouldn't you think that this, this would be a great opportunity for Jesus to walk out onto the water and use this platform with all of these people around to say, everyone, I am the Messiah, I am here. That would make sense, wouldn't it? He didn't need to be baptized. He didn't need forgiveness. He's sinless. He's perfect. So take the opportunity to announce it. John knew this. John knew that the Messiah, Jesus, was perfect, sinless. He didn't need to be baptized. He had no sins to confess. And John says, I need to be baptized by you. Why do you come to me to be baptized? Here's what Jesus says. Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this To fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Jesus was not going to use this as a platform. Instead, Jesus tells us He did this to fulfill all righteousness. And so if you're following along, here's your second point. Jesus was baptized with sinners for sinners. What does that mean that Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness? Well, what do we know about baptism? Baptism isn't something we do for God. It's something God does for us. Uh, it is all gospel. It's all good news. In our baptism, when, he, when the water washes over our head and it's connected with the Word, God announces to us that our sins are forgiven that we are loved, that we are adopted uh, into His family as His children. It's all good news. It's not law. It's not something we have to do. That's the Ten Commandments, right? You shall do this. You shall not do this. Baptism is not law. It's all gospel. This is very important because this isn't something that Jesus had to do to fulfill God's law. This is something He was doing that's gospel-related, announcing forgiveness. But again, that doesn't make sense because Jesus is perfect. So what sins does He need forgiveness for? Well, how did Jesus fulfill all righteousness? In other words, how did He save us? Two ways, and this is going to be our answer. Number one, Jesus kept God's law perfectly. He actively obeyed God's law. We call that active obedience. That's one way that he saved us. Jesus actively kept the Ten Commandments. Uh, This would be like uh, your parents when you were younger to tell you to go clean your room, uh, and you went and did that. You obeyed. That's active obedience, doing what the authority tells you. The other way that Jesus fulfilled all righteousness is what we call passive obedience. He willingly took on our sin. Claimed them as His own. That's passive obedience. He claimed them as His own. So in other words, our record, which is filled with sin, Jesus said, I'm claiming that as my own. And you can have my perfect record As your own. That's passive obedience. Jesus claimed our sins at the Jordan River. This was the start of His public ministry where He said, I've been living perfectly up to this point. Now I'm taking on that that part of righteousness where I take your sin from you as my own. And that's what this whole service has been built around, isn't it? You've seen it throughout this service what was the opening line from the song we sang? Flip back and look. He became sin, he knew sin. Yeah, he became sin who knew no sin. The perfect Son of God became sin for us. We saw that in Isaiah 53, right? The very last line He bore the sins, he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. It's through all of the Bible. Paul in 2 Corinthians says, he, uh, God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. Why? So that in Him, in Jesus, we might become righteous, perfect, holy, in God's sight. That's His passive obedience, because Jesus claimed our sin. That day at the Jordan River, as Jesus looked into the river, he did not see fish. He did not see seaweed or or any muck from the river. He saw every single sin that had been washed in that river. He saw every single sin since the time of Adam and Eve. He saw every single sin that would ever be committed. And he said, These are mine. John, these are the sins I'm confessing, the sins of the world. I claim them as my own, and I confess them. And then John baptized Jesus, and he announced forgiveness to the sinless, perfect God. All of us come here this morning with different sins weighing us down. All of us throughout the week, throughout our life, have said things, done things, thought things that uh, go against God's will. That's sin. Our mistakes, our failures. And we all have different ones. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's a web of lies. Maybe it's some kind of sexual sin, whether lusting or or, uh, activity sin, uh, actual uh, sexual sins. Maybe it's discontent, worry. Uh, Maybe it's judgmental thoughts, parenting failures. Uh, Maybe it's being rude to people, getting filled with anger and then taking it out on others. All of us have sins that we have committed. And if we're sitting here and we can't think of a single sin that we have committed, we all can confess that we are by nature Sinful. the fact that we have been born into this world, we are in the state of sin. And we have sin against God. And in our worship service, we take the opportunity to confess those sins. And we lay them at the foot of the cross. It, it, it's like we walk up here and we lay them right here and we say, God in heaven, I have sinned. Here they are. I confess them. Here's what I've done. And we hang our heads... An expectation of punishment. But then Jesus walks forward and he looks at the sins that we've laid at the foot of the cross and he picks them up. And he looks down at you and he says, These are mine. I claim these. I'm responsible for them, not you. I'm taking them. God, these are the sins that I've committed, he says. And then God nailed him to the cross with all of your sins that he claimed. He claimed your sin. In the Jordan River, when John baptized him, Jesus said, I identify as you, as a sinner. Your sins are my sins, your burdens are my burdens. I'm numbered with the transgressors, I'm numbered with the sinners. So that you may be forgiven. That's why Jesus identified with us. That's why he said, I'm with you. And so John baptized him. And as Jesus is coming up out of the water, someone else appears. Matthew tells us as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God accepted and declared Jesus as the Savior for sinners. Jesus' baptism is interesting because we get a unique look at the Trinity. Uh, the, The God who is three in one, three persons yet one God. We see God the Father, we see God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the Son, walks up out of the river, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove, and God from heaven, the Father, says, This is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. What was God doing there? He was accepting Jesus as the sin bearer the one who would bear all of the sins of the world. He said, this is my son. I am well pleased with him. This is him. And he declares him to be that for us. Think of how important that is. How many people have claimed to be the Messiah over the years? How many people will uh, claim to be the Messiah in the future? Only one person God has accepted. And it was the God-man Christ Jesus. And only one person did God declare to be this sin-bearer, the God-man Christ Jesus. God declared him to be that sin-bearer. And he wanted everybody to know. And so, like a huge sign, a huge arrow pointing to Jesus, he said from heaven, so everyone around could hear, that this is his Son whom he loves. With him he is well pleased. He had it written down in Scripture, so that we know that this is God's Son, our sin-bearer. And it's through this sin-bearer that God loves us. That God has unconditional love for us. Without Him, He wouldn't. Because again, we are sinful. And God is holy and perfect. And sin and God cannot be in the same room. But it's through Jesus, our sin-bearer, who takes our sin, that God has unconditional love for us. No matter what we're going through, We know that He loves us because it's through Jesus that He does. He has perfect love for Jesus, and so He has perfect love for us. Jesus identified with us to be that sin bearer. God declared Him to be that sin bearer, and He was. He died on the cross for all of our sins. So what's our takeaway this morning? It's our last point. Jesus identified with us here so that we can identify with Him there. What's the big point? If, when you die, and you're standing at the gates of heaven, if you were to be asked, what are you doing here? You know the answer. Jesus identified with me. He bore my sins. On himself, and in return, he gave me his righteousness. He identified with me as a sinner so that I can identify with him as a saint, a holy one. And the holy ones go to heaven. So, is there sin in your heart that you haven't confessed to God yet? Because it's just too embarrassing to even think about? You're embarrassed of the thought, you're embarrassed of what you did, what you said. If so, confess those sins to Jesus. He's already bore them on the cross and then confess those so that He can announce to you that you are forgiven, that He has taken those, that He claimed them as His own and He nailed them to the cross. Are you trying to make up for past mistakes, past sins by living a good life, by being extra moral, overcompensating good because of the bad? Look to Jesus. Confess your sins to Him. Because here's the truth. Morality never covers up guilt, only forgiveness does. Morality, living a good life, never covers up guilt, only forgiveness does. Forgiveness through Jesus. And that's what you have because Jesus identified with you. The gates of heaven are open to you. This is Jesus the One who identified with us, the One who has taken our sin and given us His righteousness. It's my prayer that we grow closer and closer to Him as we go on in life. Because in Him there is no guilt, there is no shame, there is no embarrassment, because He's taken all that from us and in return given us His perfection. May God be with you this week as you grow in Him. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that you claimed all of our sin as your own, that you claimed them and you took them to the cross where you nailed them and in turn gave us your righteousness. As we live each and every day, we ask you to help us live in this uh, state of confession because we know that we are forgiven children. Uh, The confession is for us, so we may know that we are guilt-free and perfect in your sight. Be with us as we live in this forgiveness every single day. Amen.